What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 103 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. I uh, hope you guys are having a, well, had a great weekend because it is now Monday morning, according to you guys. Yeah. How are you, Alex? I'm good. I've had a very big week. Mm-hmm. I've had a very big week, which led me to have a couple of celebratory whiskies last night. Mm-hmm. Sorry, before we get into it, I just want to let the punters know what the subjects are going to be for today, and then we can get into your week. No, because I don't want you to say the word. All right, fair uh, enough. Yeah. And I had really weird dreams last night. Right. I had dreams about old colleagues mm-hmm. that I've had nothing to do with for years and years and years. I had okay. a dream a dream that I bought, and car nerds will know this, that this is ridiculous. A banged up VK SS Group A that was in beige and auto, which they never that, that car never came out like that. Mm-hmm. But I bought it. Right. And I don't know why. Okay. Now I'd mixed two different whiskies. <laughs> I had a glass of one, and then I had a, a glass of another, mm-hmm. and I think that has upset the... I don't know if you can just blame it on missing... Like, how much... Did you have just one glass of each? Yeah, but that would be like triples. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it, I think it's just the whiskey. I think it's no, just... No, I, I don't... I mean, I'll test it tonight. I'll have an... I'll, have, I'll stick to the one whiskey and see if I have these vivid dreams. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It, like, there's a difference, though, between vivid dreams and creative dreams. Like, if you've created a car that never existed, that's created. But a vivid dream could be just a picture that you see really clearly. I thought vivid just meant it's really clear. So, yeah, like, you can remember everything. And I can remember all the details of it. Mm-hmm. It's not creative to make a well, blue mini uh, Group A in beige. Because VK had a beige version, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a Group A. And yeah. they, never made a, they never made a Group A... Auto Which is what I'm saying is that you've imagined something that never existed. I'm trying to say it's the opposite creative. of creative because it's D80. No, no, there's obviously a reason why they never made it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So um, write D80 in the comments below. I want to experiment too. Everyone's talking about the YouTube algorithm and, mm-hmm. and how uh, you get some kick if there's comments. Mm. So oh, just this is, comment. that's just been the case forever. But just write. Well, I want to. I want to see. I want to. I want to test it because mm. we've had pretty consistent views on the on yep. the previous ones. So just write. What was the word? I forgot. Whatever you want. Deative. Just say hello. It's not a word, but write deative, mm-hmm. or tell me how you would spell the word mut. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, is that all you've got to report? That's all I've got to report. All right. Uh, my my week's been pretty quiet. I've just been quietly seething because of today's main topic, which is. The Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration has just provisionally approved the Moderna vaccine for children aged six months to five years. Mm. Now, <clears throat> this was the, the approval was based off a study out of Canada, I believe. Canada or the US, I think it's a joint study. And there was about 7,200 kids in that mm-hmm. study group. And Out of the ones that survived? <laughs> well... Apparently, uh, so sorry. Let me let me let me start from the beginning because I want to I want to get the the information correct. Essentially, what this study seemed to be trying to test for, which is what they have watered down the approval conditions on all of these drugs, mm. all these vaccines. Sorry, or gene therapies, as a lot of people refer to them, to basically just showing a an antibody response with a favorable safety profile. Yeah. And favourable safety profile is obviously an extremely vague term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? And, but it also gives rise to a, an analysis of uh, ben- like pros and cons, mm-hmm. right? So if you're saying, oh, it's got to be favourable, okay, well, that means that the benefit needs to outweigh the risk. And the issue is that the entire time, all these companies and all of these all, um, institutions that have been approving them have been saying oh, the, the benefits of getting vaccinated far outweigh the risks of being vaccinated. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, it's easy to say that until you're saying it to the person that's had the severe adverse reaction. I would also, and I don't want to deviate, but I'd also, my feeling is that they've stopped using that line recently. They'd always mm. said the risk outweighs the, sorry, the benefits outweigh the risk. Yeah. But I haven't heard that for months. It's in the studies. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they used to say it on the media. Yeah, yeah. The marketing has the stopped marketing. saying it. Yeah. Because I think people are starting to look at their own data. Mm. Uh, but it's still reflected in the studies. Anyway, what I find really, really, really interesting about this approval. So for a start, it's a provisional approval. What does that mean? That means that it's approved for a two-year period based on ongoing data gathering and... Uh, you know, it's it means it's up for review. But in other words, it means that they're just going to keep it approved for the next two years. And yep. then if there's a, a usage case for it, they'll keep it. If there isn't, which I would assume that there won't be, they'll just remove it. Yep. But there, there's a whole lot of uh, conspiracy theories, which keep proving correct, about how, especially in America, but we'll reflect that, they're trying to get on the childhood vaccination uh, register which essentially gives the vaccine companies lifelong immunity. So this is the reason why none of these vaccines have been fully approved anywhere in the Western world. They're all still under some form of either provisional approval over here, emergency use authorization yeah. in America. They, none of them have full approval except Comirnaty, which is the Pfizer vaccine in America. But Comirnaty is not the vaccine that the Pfizer vaccine they use in America. It's the original one that's still under emergency use, which apparently is exactly the same. It's just got a different name. Right. Anyway. Let's not get into the weeds with it. But so the study uh, that they use was called the Kid Cove study. It had about 7,200 kids in it. Now, what I find really interesting about this is it's, so it's Moderna. So the, the child dose of Moderna has got 25 micrograms in it, spread 28 days apart. Mm-hmm. It's a two dose schedule for now. What I find fascinating about this is there are many European countries that have banned the use of mm-hmm. Moderna vaccinations for anyone under the age of 30. And for any of you who've been following along, Moderna's dosage of mRNA like in the adult doses is far higher than Pfizer's. Yeah. So in the adult doses, Moderna's mRNA amount is, uh, dosage is 100 micrograms, whereas Pfizer's is only 30 micrograms. Yeah. Wasn't Pfizer's originally 100, then they pulled yeah, it back? Then yeah, then they reduced it because of the risk of adverse events. Yeah. Now, countries such as Sweden, Belgium, Germany, France, Denmark, and Norway have all suspended the use of Moderna for under 30s. Yeah, but they're third world, mate. <laughs> they're some of the most underdeveloped countries that we have on this planet. Well, that's right. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. They've got the most underdeveloped hearts in the world. <laughs> but they've all suspended it for the increased risk of heart inflammation. Now, let me, let me be completely fair here. The, the risk of... Uh, myocarditis and pericarditis is relatively small mm. compared to the amount of dosages that they've handed out. Now, there's a few reasons for this. Number one, not everyone's going to have an adverse event, mm-hmm. and, I, and I cop that. Number two, a lot of the adverse events do go unreported. Mm-hmm. However, the reason why Moderna's uh, adverse event rate is slightly higher than Pfizer's is because of the high dosage of mRNA. Mm. The Pfizer dosage for kids aged 5 to 11 is only 10 micrograms of mRNA. So it's one-third of an adult dose. Makes sense, because most kids in that age group are about one-third the size of an adult. Yeah. Okay? Do you know what Moderna's dosage is for kids aged 6 months to 5 years in the study? 25 micrograms. So it's 5 micrograms less than Pfizer's adult dose. Wow. Right? Anyway, let's move on. So that's the study that uh, that the TGA has used as a basis to approve this vaccine for kids aged six months to five years. And they say that obviously it's all subject to ongoing monitoring and stuff like that, which... Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't been the case. I mean, with... look, they've been doing monitoring, but they just don't seem to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, at the same time, there is a Singapore study which is extremely significant based on kids between the ages of 5 and 11. And the reason why it's significant, it's got 250,000 kids in this trial. Mm-hmm. And I'll put all the links to the show notes and stuff in this as well. But I just want to bring it up here. Uh, where are we? Oh, wrong thing. Sorry, bear with me. Brief technical, dif- uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, here we go. So this this study is called the effectiveness of BNT162B2. So this is the Pfizer vaccine, uh, BioNTech, vaccine against Omicron in children 5 to 11 years of age. So the reason why this study is interesting, it's the first study that's actually 
studied kids in regards to Omicron. Because sure. every other study is all based on previous strains. And blah, blah, blah. Uh, so in a study conducted from January 21st, 2022, so it is from this year till, through till April, when the Omicron variant was spreading rapidly, we analysed data on children in Singapore who were 5 to 11 years of age. We assessed the incidences of all reported SARS-CoV-2 infections. It tells you that they use PCR, etc. Uh, and coronavirus disease-related hospitalizations among the unvaccinated, partially vaccinated. So partially vaccinated is um, is defined as greater than one day after the first of dose of vaccine and up to six days after the second dose. Because remember, you're not fully vaccinated yeah. until seven days after the second dose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fully vaccinated children, which they define as greater than seven days after the second dose. And they used a... a um, a statistical uh, tool called a poison regression, um, which is funny. Poison regression. It's funny because it's poison with an extra S in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they use that to estimate the vaccine effectiveness. And your health the... would regress. Yeah. <laughs> now, in their results, so a total of 200... I'm not going to do the full breakdown, but it's 255,000 kids uh, were included in the analysis. Uh, among the unvaccinated children, the crude incident rates of all reported SARS-CoV-2 infections were um, oh, the, the the metric they use is uh, per million days of risk, so it's a really vague okay. thing. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you those numbers. Their their conclusion they got out of the study is that the vaccination did show a protective effect when it comes to infection and hospitalization. So <clears throat> to give you the rough breakdown of it. Uh, out of the 255,000 kids, 67.7% of them were fully vaccinated by the end of the study. Mm-hmm. 12% were partially vaccinated and 20% were unvaccinated. Uh, vaccination rates were similar among boys and girls. What is interesting is that they had a differentiation between... They seem to have high vaccination uh, rates in certain ethnic groups like Chinese, Malaysian and Indians. Mm-hmm. And then other ethnic groups are lesser. So it's probably one little hole in the study is maybe your genetic uh, predisposition towards sure. negative outcomes. Yeah. Right. It doesn't really uh, account for it. Account for it. Um, so anyway, during the study, there was fifty three thousand four hundred infections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one in five kids yep. actually got COVID during this time. Now, out of that. There were 288 hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. So 288 kids went to hospital out of 55,000 infections, mm-hmm. roughly. And you've got to think that with children, you'll take them to hospital as a precautionary mm. thing when they're not really that sick. They might just get a PCR test at the positive and you go, shit, this might be serious. I'm taking yep. them to the hospital. Because we protect children, right? Yeah. That's what we do. So they, uh, they categorized serious hospitalizations based on a child needing to go on oxygen. Okay. So out of the 288 hospitalizations, only five of them received oxygen. Mm-hmm. So there were only really five serious cases of COVID-19 in this age group out of 55,000 kids. And they were, and four of them were admitted to the intensive care unit. So of these five children, one was unvaccinated, two were partially vaccinated, and two were fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And there were no deaths attributable to COVID-19 in that cohort, in the July two hundred five thousand kids. Now, um, when the differences between the groups, like they're saying, they did see a correlation between there was a higher infection rate on unvaccinated kids as opposed to partially and fully vaccinated right. kids. But it was on a sliding scale of vaccine effectiveness using that poison regression yep. method. <clears throat> so... What is interesting about this is they have assessed the vaccine efficacy for the weekly periods. So from the zero to 14... Oh, sorry. I should... I should I'll take a step back. There were, there were side effects, obviously, uh, recorded in the study. Mm-hmm. And out of the study, they had 22 severe adverse reactions. So a severe adverse reaction, they didn't, um, they didn't detail what each of the individual severe adverse reactions right. were, but they define a severe as adverse reaction as a reaction that puts you in hospital. Okay. So in other words, 255,000 kids in the study, 67% fully vaccinated, 
uh, out of the entire cohort, you had 55,000 infections, mm -hmm. only 288 hospitalizations from the virus, mm -hmm. five of which were serious. Mm -hmm. But out of the vaccinated cohort, which is 67% of that 255,000, do your own maths, you had 22 severe adverse reactions that put them in hospital. Right. Okay. So you've essentially got four times higher severe illness caused by the vaccination as opposed to caused by COVID. Yeah. But you also have a small protection against against inf COVID. infection and they they said that in the first two weeks the protection against hospitalization was up at 88 percent yeah and again as far as how they assess efficacy it's that's that's because they're defining they're defining a uh, prevention from hospitalization due to the thing that they're trying to stop the hospitalization being caused by yeah COVID. that's right not hospitalization exactly. from the thing that you took to stop the thing. Yeah, and, and what is interesting is the study actually shows too that they, from the 0 to 14 day mark, which is interesting because you got to remember it's 0 to 14 days from being fully vaccinated. So it's really 21 days after mm. your vaccine. I was about to say after infection. Uh, <clears throat> their estimate of the vaccine efficacy was 48.9% after that two-week mm. period. But in the two weeks after that, it drops to 37%. Two weeks after that, it drops to 28%, and it continues to drop. So in other words, <clears throat> their, their conclusion was that the uh, benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks because there was a reduction in overall transmission. So the, the methodology they use is that it appears that for that short period of time, it does reduce transmission rates, which might be an overall benefit to society. Sure, okay. However, and this is my take on the study, because again, data can tell any story that you want it to, and this is a completely biased view, and I'm going to be fair and say that. This is the way that I see the data. 255,000 kids, 55,000 of them got COVID during that period of time. There's a, real, there's a fair chance that all 255,000 of those children will end up getting COVID at some point. Sure. As far as the serious cases of COVID goes... There's no statistical difference between whether you are unvaxxed, partially vaxxed, or fully vaxxed. Yeah. Because you had five cases of serious COVID, one of which was unvaxxed, two and two, which is similar to what the breakdown sure. of, right? And it's not like you cannot say five out of 255,000 is statistically significant. Yeah. Because, I mean, we already say that adverse events like myocarditis, which is one in 10,000 in young boys, is not statistically significant enough to stop the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, as a parent, because I've got a child who's a month away from being eligible for the vaccine, and I've got another child who is completely eligible for the vaccine. Now, anecdotally, we all just got COVID, and it smashed me for a week and a half. It smashed Amanda for a week. Jake breezed through it the best out of all of us. And so Jake was probably down for three or four days. Mm. And I mean, when I say down, I mean a little bit grisly and a bit sniffly, so he didn't sleep that well at night. Nate was probably down for a week. But now we're all out the other side of it and we're all okay. Sorry. Sorry. What, what my summary is this. Uh, the risk-benefit risk ratio, when you add in the fact that there are absolutely zero long-term studies on these vaccines... And you think we are vaccinating the people in our society now who have the longest time to deal with these adverse reactions. The risk benefit just does not justify an approval of this vaccine for children in that age group. Well, it does. And they do because they have, because they were going to. Mm -hmm. My question is, what was the conclusion to that Singapore study? The... Um, I'll read it to you. Yeah. Well, hold it. Can you read what the can you read what the object, objective was and the conclusion? Uh, it's it's very long, but it's probably relevant. So I I will read it. Where is the categories? So here's the introduction. Uh, after the Omicron variant of severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 was detected in South Africa in November 2021, it spread quickly across many countries with a disproportionately higher incidence of hospitalisation among children than that with other variants. 
However, the real-world effectiveness of vaccines in reducing the incidence of Omicron infection and coronavirus disease-related hospitalizations among children is uncertain. We now report the effectiveness of the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, vaccine against COVID-19 in children 5 to 11 years of age during a surge of the Omicron variant in Singapore. Local transmission increased sharply after mid-January 2022. The number of peak daily cases exceeded those reported during the Delta wave. Schools were open with the use of masks mandated, but children younger than 12 years of age were not subject to measures that restricted adults who were not fully vaccinated from entering selected venues. In Singapore, vaccination of children 5 to 11 years of age with two 10 microgram doses of BNT162B2 administered at least 21 days apart commenced on December 27, 2021. So, so this is probably one key thing I should say. This is based on the Pfizer vaccine, obviously yeah, Pfizer-BioNTech. Yeah. We've approved Moderna. Yeah. So notice how 5 to 11-year-olds, 10 microgram mm-hmm. Pfizer, we're looking at 25 microgram Moderna for younger kids. Yeah. Uh, in this national cohort study, we analyzed the incidences of SARS-CoV-2 infection and hospitalization among 255,000 children in that age group according to vaccination status, and we estimated the effectiveness of partial and full vaccination with the vaccine against the Omicron variant. An understanding of vaccine effectiveness against SARS-CoV-2 infections and severe illness among children is important, given the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic on their education and their social and mental well-being, and a high incidence of infection with the Omicron variant in this population group. So that is their introduction so essentially what they are trying to assess is vaccine efficacy in children okay okay yeah i I was waiting for something that didn't come up but i want to see if it's in the conclusion what were you waiting you go so read a conclusion so this is the discussion at the end which is essentially the conclusion Uh, our estimates of the effectiveness of two doses of pfizer vaccine against all sars-cov-2 infections of 36.8 percent and against PCR-confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infections of 65.3% among children 5 to 11 years of age during the Omicron wave are lower than those in previous studies that were conducted when other variants were predominant. A vaccine efficacy of 90.7% was reported in Phase 2 to 3 clinical trials involving 2,268 children that was conducted in the United States, Spain, Finland and Poland in June 2021 when the Delta variant was predominant. A higher number of breakthrough infections may be due to greater immune escape of the Omicron variant than the Delta variant. In our study, vaccine effectiveness against PCR-confirmed infections was higher than that against all infections. Given the national protocols for testing in Singapore during the study period, these findings suggest greater vaccine effectiveness against high levels of disease severity, and the estimates of vaccine effectiveness against PCR-confirmed infections in Singapore may thus be higher than those reported in other countries. Nonetheless, vaccine effectiveness against hospitalisation in the short term after vaccination among children 5 to 11 years of age was high at 82% and was similar to that among adults who had received three doses of mRNA vaccines during the Omicron predominant period. The vaccine effectiveness of two doses of Pfizer against hospitalisation for COVID-19 with the Omicron variant was estimated to be 68% in a case control study involving children 5 to 11 years of age in the United States. Our findings indicate the protective effect of vaccination against infection and severe illness. We found that the vaccine effectiveness against hospitalisation was higher with full vaccination with two doses at 82% than with partial vaccination with one dose at 42.3%. The strength of this study is the use of a comprehensive national data set of both vaccinations and confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infections and disease severity reported to the Ministry of Health. The result of this study may provide insights to enable decision makers to weigh the benefits against the potential risks of vaccination in children. In Singapore, 22 serious adverse events after vaccination among children 5 to 11 years of age were reported to the Health Sciences Authority as of February 28, 2022. Beyond the short-term and long-term health risks of SARS-CoV-2 infection in children, high infection rates among children may lead to transmission to older adults and may increase the risk of overwhelming existing healthcare capabilities during the Omicron wave. It appears that these risks can be mitigated by the vaccination of children. <clears throat> so that's an interesting point, is they are looking at vaccinating the children to lower the overall transmission rate to adults. Is that it? No, no. Our study has certain limitations. There may have been potential confounding uh, because of unobservable characteristics underlying the parents' decision to vaccinate their children, the timing of vaccinations and healthcare-seeking behaviours. Risk-averse persons who are less willing than others to be vaccinated may be more likely to reduce social interactions when infection rates are high, and parents may allow their children to interact more freely with others in social settings after vaccination. Both these factors may lead to an underestimation of the true risk reduction afforded by vaccines. Interesting the way that they... Yeah, yeah, because it could be both. It could easily be both. It could also be that, uh, like myself, I mean, anecdotally, 
I have done enough research to know that uh, COVID, especially Omicron, doesn't affect children as harshly. Therefore, even though our children are not vaccinated, I've still been sending Nate to daycare, even though we've been getting COVID warnings, because I understand that, like, I put it this way, I put him at more risk. I've done the opposite of what they've said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although a decreased vaccine effectiveness against confirmed infections after full vaccination with two doses was observed over time, this finding may be confounded by unmeasured differences in the risk of infection between early and late adopters of the vaccine. Although most of the fully vaccinated children in the study received the second dose of vaccine three weeks after the first dose, some received the second dose later. Extended dosing intervals have been associated with increased neutralising antibody levels in adults. However, because of the short follow-up period, we were unable to assess the effective dosing intervals on vaccine effectiveness. Previous studies have shown high risk of severe COVID-19 at admission to an intensive care unit among children with coexisting conditions, but we could not assess this because data were not available in the National COVID-19 Vaccine Registry. Nonetheless, so in other words, they don't know whether those five kids that ended up in on oxygen had coexisting issues. Right. Nonetheless, the prevalence of coexisting conditions predisposing children to severe COVID-19 is probably low in this age group. An observational study showed that among 130 children who were hospitalised with COVID-19 in Singapore, 13.1% presented with coexisting conditions. Children with disabilities and special education schools are vaccinated and vaccinations are not contraindicated among children with stable medical conditions. Although vaccination coverage is high among young and older adults in many countries, vaccination uptake among children has often lagged. COVID-19 vaccine hesitancy is reportedly higher for vaccination in children than of vaccination of adults. The Omicron variant has been reported to result in less severe disease, but the absolute number and rate of hospitalizations among unvaccinated children may still be high because of increased transmissibility. Our results indicate that vaccines may play an important role in reducing infections and hospitalizations during the Omicron wave. We observed that during a period when the Omicron variant was predominant, the vaccine, uh, the Pfizer vaccination reduced the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection and COVID-19-related hospitalization among children 5 to 11 years of age. Okay, so before you... Can you open that back up again? Yep. Who did the study? Uh, this study was done by... Uh, so it's got the name of the scientist, Sharon HX Tan, MPH, Alex R. Cook, PhD, uh, Derek Heng, M. Phil, and Benjamin Ong. Um, down the bottom, it should have a funding and disclosures... So this study was in the New England Journal of Medicine. That's yep. where I found it. Uh, and it was... Uh, there. All those people I've previously named are all employees of the Singapore Ministry of Health. Okay, so it's a government. Agency. It's a government, okay. government funded one. Now, this was a takeaway that I got out of it. Mm-hmm. If the question is... Is the vaccine effective at reducing hospitalizations in kids? Then you can run that study mm-hmm. and answer that question. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the answer was yes. Yeah. If the question was, does the benefit outweigh the risk, given their data, you'd get a different response. That's right. And that's where... Because so just so it's clear with them, yeah. that 25 hospitalizations, 22 first. 25 hospitalizations for the total um, uh, for COVID and 22 hospitalizations for adverse events. It was 288 hospitalizations, but only five of them were severe. Yeah, sorry, five went to hospital. 22 went to hospital for, for the, adverse events. Yeah. But this is why reading the studies is important because... The point of this study was not to assess the risk-benefit ratio. The point of this study was to assess whether or not the vaccination can reduce negative outcomes from COVID. Yeah, 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 from COVID. Right, but that's why reading these studies, whether the conclusion that, um, that they are trying, the hypothesis that they're trying to prove or disprove, whatever that is, you can still extrapolate the data out to to look at other things, like, like exactly what we're talking about. So we are, we are assessing this data based on a risk-benefit ratio. And what is interesting that I found out of this study is that they continuously say, like, obviously vague terminology, like may, it may assist, mm-hmm. it may, yeah, right? And they did have a reduced infection rate 
from again, I don't I think cultural issues can be very important in regards to this, which is why, for example, they outline the fact that different ethnic groups had higher levels of vaccination than others. And in my opinion, I don't believe anecdotally in my experience, I don't believe that people who are more likely to vaccinate their children are then going to be less likely to employ other mitigation strategies. So in other words, what I'm saying is, I feel like if you're a parent who is scared enough about COVID that you will vaccinate your child, you're more likely to make them wear a mask, make them stay yeah, out of take them out. public yeah, yeah. places, yeah. right? You, you're more likely to employ further risk mitigation strategies. What I found interesting in the study is, or their uh, discussion points at the end there, is they have made assumptions the other way. So what their, what their assumptions were, were that if parents are scared of getting their children vaccinated due to adverse events, they are more likely to withdraw their child from the world and use these other mitigation mm-hmm. strategies, mm-hmm. which again... It might be an Asian approach. I think it's a cultural sure. thing. That's yeah. right. That may very well be the case yeah. in Singapore. I don't feel like anecdotally that is the case in Australia. Yeah. And what I what am I basing that on? I've been sending my kid to daycare and the daycare centre's fucking full every single day and none of these kids are in the age group that they've been able to get vaccinated yeah. up until now. Yeah. So anecdotal experience from Australia indicates that that's not the case. Yeah. I suppose so, the thing that hits me the worst though is that... So it seems deceiving to say... It'd be like selling a car and promising the customer that it uses less fuel than their current car, Mm -hmm. but it uses way more oil. So you still, so yeah, you get a benefit, but you are disadvantaged in another way. Well, no, but using that sort of uh, reference, it's kind of like saying, like selling a car to a person saying it doesn't use any fuel and how good is that? But it's because a car won't start. No, it's close to my thing. Okay, fair enough. Because, Because you've got... I, I just think they skipped over that twenty-two because hospitalization. That, because that wasn't the, it's not the question. What, that's not yeah, that's right. It's yeah, not the yeah, question yeah. they were asking. But it's interesting data nonetheless. And when like here, here's the thing. this is the picture that I'm trying to paint. Is Australia's TGA the entire time have based all of their approvals on what they refer to as the best available data. Mm. And all of these data have been data coming out of America, generally, but now you've got America and Canada. And the problem is, time and time again, these data that they use seem to be, they either the science changes or they get debunked mm. in three months' time. But nothing else changes. So in other words, they don't withdraw the approvals on things when these things change. Yeah. They just keep on rolling yeah, nothing's with nothing's really changed. That's right. Yeah. And the thing that concerns me the most is... If you, like, again, it's kind of, it's, it's about choice in a way. I understand if some parents are so terrified they want to vaccinate their children. I get it. Mm. I totally understand that. But then I go, there's all these Scandinavian and European countries that have banned Moderna for people under 30 because both Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccinations have shown a small yet significant potential to cause ad- serious adverse mm. effects like uh, heart inflammation. And the reason why they banned Moderna but gone with Pfizer is they go, again, the risk-reward ratio makes more sense with Pfizer because of the lower mRNA dosage means you are slightly less likely to have the adverse event right. and you'll get some sort of protective benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Australia, we've gone the opposite way. Yeah. We've not approved Pfizer for the kids. We've approved Moderna which the Pfizer dose is 10 micrograms of mRNA. The Moderna dose is 25 micrograms yeah. of mRNA, 2.5 times higher. So in other words, you could assume that you have a 2.5 higher risk of adverse reaction. Yeah. Right? Now, the question then needs to be asked, why would we approve Moderna when America has approved Pfizer for that age group? Because we're going to be making it. Exactly right. Yeah. Australia has done a deal with Moderna to open a Moderna manufacturing facility in the People's Republic of Victoria yeah. from 2024. Yeah, and you need to, need to have customers. That's right. And their plan, it, what's interesting, is they're saying that this this factory will produce 
100 million doses of mRNA-based vaccinations per year. Interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily COVID vaccines. It's Well, COVID is included in their swag. Sure. But remember, there's no other approved mRNA vaccination. Yeah. There's none. So we've done a deal with a company to produce, like to build this manufacturing plant and to produce a product that doesn't exist yet. They don't have approvals for anything. Which I'm not adverse that I'm not adverse to that event. <laughs> that makes sense that a research facility is going to research things or create. But things it's not that, research; it's manufacturing. Well, manufacture things that are attached to research facilities that haven't researched the particular thing yet. So mm-hmm. I get that you want to have the capacity to make it. That makes sense to me. Yep. So I'm not irked by that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm irked by the levels of mRNA. I'm irked by the studies that. I mean, if you extrapolate that out to all like our cohort, you're effectively saying that we're okay to put 22 kids mm-hmm. in hospital yeah. from adverse events to help reduce a percentage of spread that they can't illustrate yep. to the adult population. For a short period of time. For a tiny period of time. That's right. And this is, this is what... I, I think the, 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 the biggest fundamental issue out of all this stuff for me is the medical profession is supposed to exercise restraint, especially when it comes to protecting children. Mm. And we've been saying this forever. A society is not supposed to put the needs of, the, of adults and elderly in front of the needs of children. Mm. We're just not. That's not fair. They... They have no choice in what it is that we do to them mm-hmm. and they have the longest time to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. I really do... Because, again, we've got no long-term usage studies. We've yeah. got nothing. And the, or, the only thing we know 100% without a shadow of a doubt with these vaccinations is that the protective benefit wanes over time and it's a short period of time. Yeah. So you're it seems rolling, to get shorter and shorter every time we talk right. about it. That's right. And you're rolling the dice on these adverse reactions for a short-term benefit. It's literally short-term it's gain for long-term pain. Yeah, you're getting two but weeks. But it's for the not color. two weeks because the week beforehand you're more highly susceptible yeah. to getting the virus. Yeah. Now, a lot of studies too that people who are pro-vax lean on say, and again, you can find studies that show both outcomes. But they say your risk of heart inflammation is higher from COVID than it is from vaccination. Okay? And you know what? I'm sure that certain people who get COVID get heart inflammation and certain people who get vaccinated get heart inflammation. Positive of that. Mm. But the vaccine doesn't stop you getting it. So in other words, you run the risk of getting heart inflammation from the vaccine and you're still running the risk of getting it from COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you cut out 50% of the risk? Especially in young children. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't understand, because the health authorities keep wanting to say that heart inflammation is not significant. If you can have severe, you can have scarring of your heart, which means that you can potentially need a heart replacement within a few years' time. Mm. Like, it is not insignificant. There's a reason why we don't want people's hearts to inflame. Or at least we didn't there is a guy for the last two years. My age, mm-hmm. sitting in a hospital bed right now, waiting for a new heart. Yep. He's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Dan it Andrews sucks. would say that um, he should learn from his lessons mm-hmm. from this. Can can that... Are you done with that? Can can that tie into the other alarmism that's out at the moment? It can. Let, let, so let me just try to summarise the numbers yep. again. Or not even... In summary, parents, I implore you, just chill. Like, we've all had COVID. We've all had it now, yeah. right? Everyone's had it. Uh, <clears throat> as the virus continues to mutate, that's why we keep getting reinfected. I've had it twice within the last three months. First time was easy. Second time was not so easy. But the virus will continue. Can I also say on your on your thing mm-hmm. that you guys are getting it? You're going to get something because yeah. the the we've also had RSV and the flu in that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, you've, you've kind of never recovered from the first time just due to life. It's like certain yeah, yeah. life aspects that have happened. And any parent who's got young children that go to daycare, go through it. Yeah. We all get sick. It's just part of the game. Yeah. And it's that initial period in life where they build up immunity. I'm building up immunity. I mean, like, I got... You guys will know. I got smashed last year for, like, seven months straight. 
<coughs> just because I wasn't used to all the kid diseases. Mm. Then I got used to them. So my immune system this year is far better than it was last year. I have dodged most of the things that the family has gotten, or at least that the kids have gotten. Um, it's just one of the, it's part of the game. Like kids on average get 12 to 14 colds a year. Scientific fact. Yeah. 12 to 14 colds a year. They're going to get sick. The best case scenario is that they go through this thing while they're young enough that it doesn't really affect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea. Right? Build immunity to it. And this, like, nothing in this world is without risk. Nothing. Yeah. And I, I understand that when you're trying to make concrete statements on something as significant as this, that it is really, it's difficult to do and you shouldn't do it. And, like, I'm not saying that everyone shouldn't do it. I'm definitely not doing it. Yeah. And all I'm suggesting is exercising the precautionary principle that our health authorities are supposed to be exercising yeah. for yourself and just go on, like take a step back and go, okay, this is the real question. Do I want to roll the dice on a potential short-term severe adverse event and potential long-term adverse events that we have no clue mm. what the results will be? Do I want to roll that dice to potentially protect my child from a disease that will probably not affect them very severely at all. Yeah. 55,000 kids got it. No deaths. Five went to hospital and they were fine. Yeah. For a short period of time. Like, do, do you want to do that? Yeah. Well, that that's what fits into this thing we spoke about in the car this morning. Yeah. We can agree that there has been absolute alarmism for the last three years. Yeah. And in the media, and that's been sickening. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a guy riding a push bike by himself in the rain with a mask on. Yeah, like that—that's crazy. That's mental illness. That's mental illness. Yeah. Now, when I mean, you use the term "sickening," you mean it's made people sick, it's right? It's made people sick. 100%. It's made people sick. Yeah. And we all know someone who's going, who's locked themselves in a the house or yeah. won't come out, or, or or has cut off friends. We know those people. Mm-hmm. That has been caused by alarmism. That's right. Now I want you to take note because it's happening again for something else. Mm-hmm. The weather. Yep. We clickety, just clickety, had, climate change. We just had a deluge, apparently. There's no just rain anymore. It's no. a deluge. It's either a deluge or it's a rain bomb. Rain bomb. Yep. yep. And so now when you're watching the news... Notice how they only used rain bomb really around the start of the Ukraine war? Yeah, yeah. yeah funny that. Have... Why can't we just have rain now? Why can't we just have weather? We've, yeah. had, we've had rain before. The rain that we just had was the most normal rain... That's right. ...that I think we've ever seen. Yeah. We closed a school after the floods for what was 20 minutes of light drizzle. <laughs> okay. So really think about that. Are we now... Are we now hypersensitive to anything that could potentially resemble risk? Yes, 100%. And I can give you a big tech example as well. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, no, what day was it? On Wednesday, I had to drive to Canungra. Mm -hmm. That was when the deluge was happening, right? Apple Maps, all over the map, had warning weather warning buttons all over it mm-hmm. it was light rain yeah light rain i worked the whole day on wednesday yeah yeah in, 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 i'm in landscape working outside on tamarind mountain Tamar- it gets more rain than anywhere this where has this come from this is not normal mm. like this is it's rain it's just rain it's okay to rain it's social conditioning for climate alarmism that's yeah. what it is yeah and it's it's interesting, like, I've got, I've got some mates that do listen, so shout out to you guys, you in particular, and you know who I'm talking about, who post a lot of stuff uh, about a lot of these red pill type arguments. Yep. And one of the interesting uh, things you've been posting up a lot lately is how the, the weather girl and her map behind her has changed over time. And they've showed screenshots from, like, 20 years ago to now... And it's got the map at the at the back that she's pointing to with all of the different temperatures on it. The temperatures are all the same, but 20 years ago the map was green, and now it's got red and orange patches all over it, yeah. like like these temperatures all of a sudden are hot. And again, what's what's really interesting about this for me is 
unfortunately, when it comes to the climate change argument, we're straight back at the start of COVID. <laughs> like, we're straight back yeah. there. Because, again, we've been conditioned since we were kids about climate change. Like, back when we were young whippersnappers watching the news, they were talking about global warming. Global warming was what it was called. Yeah. The problem is, when the globe stopped warming about 2000 and basically stayed stagnant and then went backwards a little bit over a 15-year period, they had to change to climate change. Like, uh, there, is a, there is a very real uh, system which wants you to be scared of enemies that you can't see yeah. for some form of profit. Ben- profit. It's either a power benefit or a profit benefit. It's usually both. The, the farming issues in Sri Lanka and the Netherlands are a really good example. Oh, you can't have nitrogen in the soil. You know, you can't use those nitrogen-based fertilisers. That's a greenhouse gas. We need to take that away. Oh, how are we going to take that away? Well, we're going to take your farms off you. We're closing down 30% of the farms in, in the Netherlands. I mean, look what happened in Sri Lanka when they tried to do that. they got no government anymore. And no COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny how COVID goes away. <laughs> Haven't heard many cases out of Ukraine or Russia at the moment either. But this is... You're right, and and this is something that everyone needs to be aware of because it doesn't matter if oh, it's we, pre- we we predicted this. We need to go back and That's find right. the clip. We spoke about this. A, These guys know what we're talking about. Over a year ago, but to new new listeners, yeah, we said over a year ago when COVID would start to wane, <laughs> when COVID alarmism starts to wane, the next thing is coming, and and our prediction was. Climate change was the next. And lockdowns for climate change. Climate change lockdowns. Yeah. And we're already seeing language to that effect. And it's, it's again, drip feeding is closer. Like we had all of that alarmism about, oh, the power grid over the last couple of months. Oh, the eastern seaboard, we're using too much power because you guys turned your heaters on in winter and now the power grid can't handle it. We've got to use less power. Oh, there's been brownouts. Oh, the cost of energy has gone through the roof. Like all of this stuff is drip feeding us through to a point where next thing you know, they're going to say, guys, you have to stay home for a week and turn everything off. Otherwise, the world's going to set on yeah. fire. That's coming. Yeah. You're already seeing that in some other countries. I don't have the specific examples off the top of my head, but I have seen news stories about climate change lockdowns. It, yeah, it, I think it's, it's definitely coming. Um, I think they've got to get a couple of elections out of the way here. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what was the there was news though what happened to the Greens the Greens couldn't do a deal with Labor so they're going to te- well, they're threatened to team up with the Nationals over <clears throat> do you mean in Victoria or federally I thought it was federally okay and it was like a Green policy that they I, I should I should I'll investigate and I'll come back I'll come back next week but yeah, yeah. I, what basically what I'm saying is if you're watching the news now if you're an Australian Listener, like, put something in the comments if, you, if you've if you noticed what I've noticed. Mm. And if you're international, because I know we've got some great international contributors, which yep. we, and they, they go to a lot of trouble to put some data on there. We're really thankful, really enjoy yep. um, getting that side. Are you seeing it too? Like, are you, do you remember having, hey, tomorrow's going to be rain, bring a raincoat or take an umbrella yep. to now deluge, rain bomb. Yep. Uh, flash flood, you know. Mm-hmm. If you are noticing that, put it down in the comments. If you are, if you haven't noticed, have an ear out. Tell me if I'm. Tell me if I'm being. Am I being crazy? Am yeah. I being crazy? What? Do you do you know something else that I have noticed too, which is very very interesting? Is within, and again, I don't know if it's just because I've started paying attention to it, but within the last twelve months, we have gone from. Cloud seeding being a conspiracy theory to cloud seeding being mainstream and everyone does it all the time and have been doing it for decades. Yeah, but I don't see it like what you guys see. Cloud seeding has a function. It absolutely has a function. However, the media has kiboshed even the thought of cloud seeding in the past, whereas now it's starting to actually come out that it's a real thing. A lot of people don't even realise that it's a real thing. Mm. And Jeremy Clarkson did a video in the 90s, early 90s, mm. where there's a rocket launch place in America. Yeah. And after they launched the rocket, because it let so much uh, hydrogen mm-hmm. into the air, yeah. that the, that big plume comes out, turns into a cloud, and it rains. Yeah, and it rains, yeah. 
Um, and there's actually, I haven't looked into it and I, because I, I didn't realize we were speaking about this today, but I might bring it up for next episode. There's actually an inquiry that either has gone through or is in the process in Tasmania because of one of the major floods they had, I think it was in 2016, right. where the dams were already capacity and they cloud seeded and their inquiries to see, because there's all this massive flood damage. So they're actually doing an inquiry into seeing whether or not the cloud seeding contributed to the flood damage. My customer said this to me yesterday. Right. He, they'd come from Toowoomba to pick up a car. And his take on it was like, most of this flood stuff is mismanagement somewhere. We've, Absolutely. We haven't cleaned a drain. We haven't, we ha- you know, the, the dam's not finished. The, you know, so we need to go through the stuff that we can make, yeah. uh, that we can harness ourselves yeah. first before we just go and say... Shit yourself, you know. Like how outside. many how many times do the dams have to overflow? How many fucking times? And is it because the media goes out and goes rain bomb every five minutes and then it doesn't even rain? But see, I remember a time because I used to go motorbike riding out to Hinsdam all the time, mm-hmm. and I remember when that was low, low, like forty five percent, yeah, like low, low. And we I jacked re- up the price of water and brought in water restrictions. And then when the dams have been full since then, because we haven't been in drought for almost 10 years now, we haven't reduced the price of water, and we just don't let a little bit out before we get a was fucking that, deluge. Was that Queensland water or Gold Coast water? That, that was that debacle 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Not sure. Where they sold, they privatised the water supply. It might have been Gold Coast. And the deal was, the deal was, we'll pay out $50 million. No, you pay us $50 million and you can have you can have the water, but you're not allowed to put the water rates up. Mm. The day they got in, they doubled the water rate. Yeah, and what are you going to do? And then the council had to buy them back, and I think they paid $150 million to buy it back. Yeah. And the water price didn't come back down. Yeah, and whoever was the councillor who was in charge of that, I'm sure had a little brown paper bag <laughs> with a little bit of cash yeah, money in it. a little bit it. wet, maybe. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so look out, look out for alarmism. Unfortunately, and, and look, I, I, I'm going to nerd out about it, the news is running out of steam. No one's watching the news yep. anymore. They're, they're, um, uh, Dad Dad was talking to me. We had lunch last Sunday. Mm. And he was talking about, how come on YouTube, why is there uh, a video that says, Bitcoin going to zero tomorrow? Yeah. Why is, and then there's a video next to it that says, why is the stock market going to zero tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And Tasha's like explaining to him what clickbait was. Yeah. Now, that's the world that we're in right now. That's is, right. Is they have to get you activated, charged. And the best yep. way to get you charged is to get you scared. Mm. Now, the reason why I, I, I say it's more of a problem on mainstream is mm. because there is a large cohort of people in this country that are stuck there. That's all their, yeah, their, yeah. All their news comes from there. Yeah. You've only got three or four sources of it. Yeah. And it's all the same stuff. It's, right. all, it's all alarmism. Now, at least on the internet... You can click off it. Now, there are people that fall into rabbit holes. Yep. I've been there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all have. But you can change your algo to, to give you stuff that's yep. that's good. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that on the TV because mm-hmm. all the channels are the same. Yep. Now, they... That... You know, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. That's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. These channels will fall over in yep. five, ten years. There won't be Channel 9. There won't be Channel 10. You're already seeing it. Yeah. CNN in America is going through that big um, yeah. tr- uh, uh, transfer at the moment. What are they... Transfer? The, what do they lose? They lost... They, they tried a streaming service. Yeah, CNN Plus. Yeah. It was like $130 million was yeah. their budget. And, and it lasted a week and then they yeah. um, they collapsed it. They've had one of the previous owner or the largest shareholder of CNN say, we want to go back to real news and and, yeah. and we're going through this transition period, which it hasn't happened yet, mm. but it's it's in the works. Until 2024 when Trump comes back to campaign again. That will be the interesting thing. Mm. That will be, Because all these guys, all these media companies in America in particular, have struggled without... Mm without uh, Trump to talk about. 100%, yeah. So, that, that so as soon as Trump comes back again, they won't change their models because they don't have to. They'll change... Like, businesses only change when they're forced to. I think that's one of the things that I've noticed the most in the last five years is that uh, it's... Because a lot of businesses aren't allowed to fail, they don't change. Like Qantas. Yeah. I, was, I was lamenting Qantas to, uh, to Dad, funnily enough. Yeah. We've all just been landed on Dad lately. Uh, Qantas pisses me off. Qantas got billions and billions of dollars of government handouts during the pandemic because they couldn't fly. The whole point was for them to 
keep workers and keep prices low. What happened when they were allowed to fly again? Prices are fucking five times higher than they used to be. Mm. And they're all bitching about all this other stuff. It's like, okay, cool. Next time a pandemic happens, too bad, so sad. Yeah, and you owe just me fold, three, bro. You owe me three grand. Yeah, just fold. Yeah, just fold. Like businesses are supposed to be allowed to fail because the only way that you actually promote good business activity is by the fear of failure. I was saying to Dab, I was like, if if you and I make really bad business decisions, like, and, and a bad business decision from a personal perspective could be withdrawing all my money out of my account and going to the casino and trying to yep. double it. And I oh, fuck, I've lost it all. Guess what? I ain't getting a bailout. The government's not going to come to my house and go, yeah, you know what? You just made a mistake. Uh, look, we'll pay off your mortgage. You can keep the house. That ain't happening. I want to give props to uh, Jane Herdlicker. Right, H R D L I C K A. She was Jane the Hardlicker. she is the CEO of Virgin Australia. Okay. Who didn't do those things that Joyce did, Alan Joyce? Right. And grew market share in that time mm-hmm. and figured it out. So props. Yeah. There were some people out there that weren't just out That's binging right. for. Give us this, give us this, give us this. Actually, she got in trouble. She got in trouble for saying, like, I think she said, she said something controversial, something woke or anti-woke right. that she got crucified for, yet her business was going great. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Which is just a perfect example. But that's the thing, too. Like, the left would naturally hate someone like her because she's anti-woke and profitable. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? And they yeah. think that people who make profit are evil. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we got, we got five minutes to go. So... Yeah, I, I think one of, one of the things that we've spoken about many times before is the fact that we're supposed to have a free market economy yeah. and we don't. And I, what I would love to see is the Australian government, because, hey, we've got a trillion dollars worth of debt. Fun fact for you, I looked up the stats the other day. We had $638 billion national debt at the end of the 2019-2020 financial year. Mm-hmm. In two years, we have added $362 billion in debt yeah. because of the COVID spending. $360 billion. We have added 50% to the national debt in two years. Yeah. Is that proper economic management? No. Nah. But it also doesn't matter. Well, it does though. It doesn't. It does. No, I can tell you why it doesn't. Why? You can kick the can forever. You can kick the can down the road economically forever. And there's an example of this. Japan is an example. That's why you pay 80,000 yen to buy a Right, well, sorry, uh, what is it? 80,000 80, yen is... Not a lot of money. <laughs> 10 grand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I should have I should have done the one, one to one. I think 80 yen to $1. Yeah. They went through the same thing after they had a massive economic boom. Yep. They just effectively printed their way to success. When they bought everything, when they bought and built Surface Paradise, mm. that was through government stimulus mm-hmm. money. And they're still a top five economy. Mm-hmm. You can keep kicking the can. You can kick the can as long as you want. Yeah, and but there's an also... ever-expanding economy. But what you're saying is that what they did was they used government money to make investments. Which yeah, then helped yeah. sort it out. Yeah. We used government money and sent it to overseas corporations or countries. Yeah, and look, but what I'm saying is that another person could come in and say, all right, well, look, let's just print even more and, and do the right thing. That's why I'm not... Okay. Also, with Japan, they've got what's their population? Seventy million or something? Yeah. In a very small. Yes, country. but also that on the wrong side of the age bracket. Yeah, of course, but, but they'll keep working until they're dead, yeah. basically. But um, I, that's why I don't get caught up. It doesn't matter. It it actually on your day to day, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. As though. long as you. When we were in an inflation crisis, like the, this is one of the reasons why we've caused inflation, like we've explained before. Because we printed all this money or borrowed it and then just sent it elsewhere. If we printed all this money or borrowed it and invested it in Australian companies yep. and promoted growth, I'm cool with that. But when you print it and send it elsewhere, that's causing inflation. And now they're saying that it's Australian mortgage holders are spending too much money. That's why the rates are going up. Well, they were spending too much money. Oh, were they? Because in the, in the pump, they went and got debt on something that shouldn't be worth what, what it was. They all made money. Everyone made money in the in, in the pump. In this prior to this inflationary thing, everyone got rich. When I say spending too much money, he was talking about household spending, though, yeah. not borrowing. Well, household spending, not, not purchasing on assets. He was saying it was too much 
discretionary spending. That was what his excuse was yeah, to, to raise the rates in June. Yeah. But um, the rates are going to go, and like I said, I paid 9.89% when I first got my place in 2008. So Yeah. Okay, boomer. Like it's, it's nothing. And I sold out because the... Because well, fuck that. Yeah, well, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. But don't, don't be worried about a shit economy. Uh, sorry, don't be worried about uh, printing. It doesn't matter. You know, in the next four years, our uh, interest bill will be $99 billion. <laughs> It doesn't matter. You kick the can down the road, just print more. Mate, it's that's fine. $99 billion we could send to Ukraine. What a waste of money. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next. VK Bros. VK Bro Dodo. <laughs>